0: And now, a
1: special edition of the Toddcast podcast.
2: Hello, it's Monica.
1: Hi, Monica. Todd Hancock here in Vancouver.
2: Hello, Todd. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you.
1: Right on. Right on. How's uh, Mm -hmm. things in your circle with the COVID-19? Everybody's fine? Nobody's going stir-crazy just yet?
2: (laughs) Well, um, everyone in our circle is doing really well. My husband and I have got... um, Somebody living with us, uh, Kona here, who's been work, uh typing to you as well. Um, he's he's helping produce a bunch of things for us, digital and online, and uh, we we've been kind of rolling and going with new stuff. So it's good.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying. We're to, keeping busy. Yeah, ditto on this end. Uh, I've got a seven year old. I've got a nine year old, and they are going absolutely bananas being stuck oh
2: well (laughs) yeah the kids for sure
1: (laughs) totally 100 percent, yeah uh of course uh monica everybody's going to know you as an ifbb fitness pro so it kind of seems like the logical place to start how old were you when you decided to dedicate your life to fitness
2: well you know i can't always say that i thought i was going to dedicate my life to fitness that was never really a thought to me um, I've been an athlete since I was a child, like, you know, grew up water skiing and I tried out for the SeaWorld ski team. I actually made it on when I was 16, Oh, cool! but well, I, I shouldn't say that I made it to being able to go to the training camp, but we lived, we had a lake house and they used to do the training camp for the San Antonio sea, SeaWorld ski team out to the lake where we had a lake house. And then. They changed it and moved it over to Florida, and it was during my high school years. so I was like, oh, I can't mm-hmm. go do that while I'm going to high school. So anyways, but I mean, I've always been an athlete, you know, between track and volleyball, and sh- we, we lived out in the country, so we had ranch and horses, and I, was, I showed horses all through my childhood and rode and jumped horses, and I, I've just always been an athlete first and foremost, and when I had the opportunity to start doing these shows... Um, It was really about, it was more, and back in the early nineties, there wasn't a career that you could make out of the fitness industry. Mm. Not really. I mean, there were very few people that were, you know, there was a couple, like, I think Denise Austin maybe had some workout videos, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: Like select few. but,
2: But she wasn't a competitor. And then there was like aerobic competitions, which I was not interested in that. Um, so I was, it was, to be honest, like, um, 1991 was my first competition in the fitness industry. Fitness competition started in 1986 or 87. So they were still fairly new. And the only thing that was really out in the mainstream for women in the industry was bodybuilding. So the fitness were really, the fitness shows were really, really new. And I was one of the pioneers, I guess, that helped spread those and keep get those going and then I moved to California just I got a lot of stories it's hard to keep them short <laughs> but
1: you know I know yeah. you said
2: 15 minutes I'm trying to say okay how do I shorten these things up but 1995 I had an opportunity to move to California from Texas I was 24 I'd been i had competed in fitness competitions in 91 93 94 and then the beginning of 95, I moved to California. And my first week out there, I knew two people in California, so I didn't know really went out there. I didn't have a job op- opportunity. I, wasn't, I just figured I could go out there and do the things that I was doing in San Antonio out there, meaning I was, wor- I was a waitress. I was a Bud- Budweiser girl, so I worked for Budweiser, you know, um, yeah. you know do the Budweiser girl thing. Um, I was training some clients. I was going to school part time, so I was like, "I can do all of these things in California." So I had an opportunity to move in with a friend of mine, uh, my brother's, that was living out there, and um, I moved to Redondo Beach. My first year out there was beautiful, right on the beach. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, And then um, the next year, I moved up to Marina Del Rey, and that's where I stayed for nine years in Marina Del Rey. But um, my first. Within my first week out there, I was offered a job to go to Jamaica as a model uh, from someone that I had met at one of my competitions that was a sponsor, and she had a, had a big um, company called Jantana Tanning Products, and it was back, back in the day, you know, it's still a very big company, well, well known and respected throughout the industry, but there's so many more now. You know, back then there was like Jantana and Protan. Mm -hmm. And it was the largest, one of the, out of the two, one of the largest tanning, fake tanning products that the competitors all wore on stage. So anyways, I had met her at one of my shows and handed her my little business card and said, if you ever need a blonde fitness model, (laughs) because she had, she was sponsoring at the time I met her, she was sponsoring another girl, and the girl was a brunette. So I was just trying to, you know. You know, I've always been someone who... I'm going to ask something, and if it, if I get a no, then I get a no. But, you know, sure. you never know until you yes.
1: no, walk. Absolutely. And by the way, the only reason I said 10 to 15 minutes was because I didn't want to ma- manipulate your time too much. So
2: <laughs> if you're cool
1: with going over 15, I'm also cool with going over 15.
2: Well, um, I, I feel like, it, you know, as long as everything's flowing the way it needs to flow, then I'm yeah. good with talking a little longer. So, good. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: what should somebody look for in a personal trainer?
2: Well, I... Suggest somebody that's, number one, if you, it, it, well, again, we'll go back to, it depends on the, the person as far as, I think, um, what, their, what their level of, of de- or the, what their degree of fitness is, and what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for me, if I'm going to get back on stage, I've been in this, in, as a professional fitness person... I, you know, turned professional in 1995, and I have competed at world-level competitions in physique competitions as well as track, and so for me, I have got to find someone that can really, really push me, and I could find someone that lives across the world and still get great workouts because I know enough about form, I'm, I'm dedicated. Like, if I found a coach that was in Australia, I could work with that person easily because I can go and do a lot on my own as long as I have a good program of someone who I respect. Now, let's take someone that is brand new, that's never worked out, that doesn't know about exercise, that doesn't know how to do proper form, Mm -hmm. that maybe is intimidated in the gym setting, then that person is going to need to find someone that they can really relate to and they may need to have gender specific for me I could, uh, you know, I probably, well, I've had a few female uh, trainers, but like two. In my whole career, I usually work with men, and only because they, it just seems to be what's fit for me best. I've had a couple female trainers that have done a really good job for me, but primarily I've worked with men. Now, mm. you take someone that's brand new trying to feel comfortable in their own skin in a gym setting, they may need to stick with a female, speaking if it's a female. So I think, you know, those kind of things, it depends on where the person is in their fitness journey, how they are inspired, and I think, you know, how much they know. They might need to find someone that's um, gender-specific. Maybe it's a smaller smaller gym setting. Maybe it's a personal training setting where they're the only ones in the, in the gym at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, someone that they can learn from that is dedicated, that is motivating, and that they can um, learn from, not just, how, you know, I'm somebody, if I'm going to coach someone, I want to be coaching, I don't want to be counting. I have a lot to coach in a small amount of time. I want someone to learn how to hold themselves correctly, how to use their body correctly from their chin, neck, all the way down to their feet, and every exercise I want to be coaching, so I'm not going to be someone that's going to count for you. So if you need someone that counts for you, you know then you got to find someone that's a good counter. <laughs> I always tell my clients, if I work with people, I'm like, look, you hired yeah. me to coach you, not to count for you. Yeah. So we're either going to do something by time or you're going to count and I'm going to coach. So, you know, anyways, Yeah. I'm not a big stickler for numbers, but, you know. Um, so hopefully that answers the question. I think it depends on the person yeah. and how they get inspired. Do they need someone that can be more hands-on, more time? So I've had clients ask me, um, I need someone that I can that can coach me, you know, three or four days of the week. And I'm like, well, that's not me. I'm not going to be your coach then because I can't do that. My time is not, I'm not a full-time trainer. That's not just what I do. So that's something I can do, but not where I feel like I'm utilized the best.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, if somebody needs four or five sessions a week, I mean, that'd be great, but I don't have the time for that. And I, so I prefer, for me personally, like if I take on clients, they've got to be someone that um, can do a lot on their own and, and take, you know, some work here and there, but then still go on on their own. So just, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's got to figure out what, what kind of trainer do they need? Do they need someone more hands on? Do they need somebody that they just can get programs from and have some motivation from and accountability? You know, so it depends on the person.
1: Mm-hmm. And somebody uh, like you that, uh, is clearly, you know, fitness-oriented, uh, you must have cheat foods. <laughs> what, are, what are your cheat foods?
2: Well, first of all, I don't call them cheats.
1: <laughs> what do you call them?
2: Well, here's the thing is I work really hard, and I have for years, right, in my in my industry. So if I want to take some time off of my eating plan to indulge, then it's a reward or it's just, hey, it's, because as soon as you start putting a word to it that yeah. makes someone feel guilty, and I don't ever want to feel guilty for enjoying something that I want to enjoy.
1: <laughs> Fair
2: enough. Right? Like, I don't call it a cheat because I'm not cheating. I am enjoying something that, and then we have a we have a better mindset about it. As soon as you put the word cheat to something that somebody feels like they have to, Hide from you know hide because of cheating like it's it's I think just a very negative and we've got to stay as positive as possible especially in this industry that's
0: hmm. you know has
2: a lot of variables and a lot of emotional tie to how someone looks and acts and handles food and I try to be very positive about it.
1: Interesting. So same thing for because uh, we hear a lot about bad calories as well. Is that is that different for everybody?
2: Well, bad calories is is more, I think, acceptable to say, because, yeah, there's a lot of bad... I mean, a margarita is bad calories, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> fried, no! Fried food is bad calories. Yeah. You know, uh, fried chips, bad calories. You put it with guacamole. Well, the guacamole is t- typically good calories. But, yeah. You know, so if you're looking at it like that, that's not so much a like attaching it to the personal. Right. Now... Right, because if you say I'm cheating, it's personal. If you're taking in bad calories, well, the bad calories is not about you personal, it's about that food. Right. (laughs) So then, you know, and I think, you know, people kind of know more or less, you know, and I mean there's some gray areas for people that haven't really done a lot of research on nutrition or haven't been taught or told or, you know, younger kids sometimes. Um, so here's kind of an interesting thing. Like when I was in my early twenties and learning, trying to learn about nutrition, we were taught that fats are bad for you, right? right? So bad for you. And I remember thinking of being, feeling as I got, as I started learning more about it, feeling guilty that I cooked my chicken in butter. Now, 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 what I know now, like I was, that was the best thing I could have done is cook my chicken in butter because now I'm taking a protein, which protein can raise insulin and can raise you know, blood sugars. It mm-hmm. can help your, uh, cause your body to produce a little bit more insulin than, say, butter would. So when you throw the butter on it, then we're, we're not allowing blood sugars to kind of spike. We're keeping our blood more stable, the blood sugars more stable. So we're not going to have any kind of, we're not going to have, we'll have less of an insulin spike, which is healthier. I mean, we have to, like, naturally we have, we want insulin to be kind of this up and down, but we don't want it to go real high, right? But if sometimes just eating protein alone without any fat to help slow it down can spike blood sugars, which cause insulin to come out, you know, more than it needed. So... Mm adding the butter to it actually was the better thing to do. But for years I didn't realize that because we were being brainwashed in the fitness industry that fats are bad for you. And now there's, you know, so much out there on the whole keto thing and keto type lifestyle and eating more fat. So like now I'm so excited. I'm like the last, you know, eight years, I'm like, I get to have more fats than (laughs) before. And what a difference, what a difference it makes.
1: Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. Yeah, Monica, I would love to get outside of fitness and training, nutrition, and what you're known for. Okay. Well, sure. what was the music like in the Brandt house as a kid growing up? Which bands were your parents playing music. nonstop?
2: Huh. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, so, my mom has never been a music person. She um, just, I don't think it was something she grew up really involved in and her family wasn't music people. Hmm. So my mom wasn't really, I mean, my mom was a horse trainer. We had 20 acres for the most part of my childhood growing up. Wow. So she was outside working in the yard all the time, building things, growing things, training horses. And so that's how I grew up. And I also grew up in the church as you know, Christian non-denominational churches. So my mom also went, you know, kind of went through this part of life where she was trying to figure out what her faith was and anything that had a hard or in her mind a beat she started thinking was you know kind of wrong music to be listening to right so i also well so i kind of grew up with that so i had to you know i wasn't i've always liked music and i played guitar when i was growing up i took guitar lessons and piano lessons and all that i love music But then I had my dad, on the other hand, who listened to, oh, what did he have? You know, he had, like, Charlie Pride, and uh, I I, I can't can't even remember. Again, I'm not, like, I love music, but I'm not big on these old names. But there's another... Never wears a blue dress. Who's there? Sam the Sham. Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm, I'm like thinking of what my brother and I would go and we put his records on. My dad had this giant stereo.
1: Yeah. So they all were big he, back then.
2: He had this giant stereo and the music. So mind you, we lived on 20 acres, and all around us were fields, fields and fields and fields. And our other neighbors had 80 acres, and the other neighbors had 40. We could go down wow. to our our down all the way to our other neighbors and if the music was on loud enough you could just hear it still my dad's speakers and everything were so big but yeah he was yeah so you know he had that kind of music but my brother would play it sometimes but so it was that but i grew up listening to a lot of christian music and christian bands and you know amy grant Twilight perris brian duncan and, and of course now all of the christian music is what i listen to as an adult Primarily because I like to build my spirit more than anything else. Is that in turn I can build everything else around my spirit being strengthened? And so I listen to stuff that is quality in my mind, that's not a bunch of um, bad stuff, verses and things that are going to affect me negatively, even if I don't think they are. Sometimes they do.
1: Right. That's so, great. And what was your first concert?
2: First concert. Well, we had, we had concerts in the church. I remember Striper coming to the church. Striper, okay, <laughs> Striper, right? Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but just how about how about we do this? My the two uh, concerts that I've been to as an adult in the last couple of years. Uh, in January, we went to my husband and I went to Vegas with some friends, and we saw George Strait, which was amazing. Oh, wow! And I got Great to performer. go to yeah, and I got to go to Arizona with some friends a couple, maybe two years ago a year and a half ago, and we had really, really amazing seats for Pink. Uh, my girlfriend's husband purchased all these you know, seats for me and my girlfriend and uh, limo and dinner and all that. So we got to go on a very special girls' night out to go see Pink. Very, so it's, that was fun.
1: Very cool. I bet you that show was amazing.
2: She was great. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I love music, but I don't want to see anything that's too tacky or yeah. make me uncomfortable kind of thing. I just want to be, I want it to be, there's enough you can do as yeah, an just, entertainer just, just without crossing me. the line. Yeah. 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 Hey, have good music. Saying. Yeah. Have good dance, good dance, good music. You know, find light shows and yeah. theatrical stuff, but don't make it risque, to, you know, over the top and too sexual and all that. Just Just keep it. Keep it good.
1: Yeah. No, I feel that. We have a ton of time on our hands right now. What are you binge-watching for shows?
2: <laughs> well, um, since my husband and I both started these new um, online business structures, mm-hmm. uh, there has not been a lot of time for binge-watching. However, <laughs> we did, in the very beginning of the whole lockdown, we did watch the Tiger oh, show. The,
1: the Tiger King, yeah.
2: Yeah, we did. And here's a fu- interesting little information in, I guess in the early 2000s or the late 90s I can't remember when it was because it had to have been whenever that first they first kind of opened that up I was doing an appearance in Oklahoma and I was on stage as a it must have been when I it must have been the early 2000s because I wasn't doing a routine but I came out as a as a as a guest and they they did this magic you know show per se on stage with a large cat oh! and as I'm thinking back about it the very next day after the show because they had this cat on the stage and I was on the stage and they did this kind of light show and it the cat was there and then it came and then it and then I appeared
0: <laughs> so yeah
2: they met you know I was a guest for this bodybuilding and fitness show so then the next day I went out to what I remember looking back and have a bunch of Polaroid pictures of me holding a baby tiger and a skunk and an a, a albino python and all these crazy animals. I, I was holding all these before I caught my fly, flight back to L.A. And I remember getting on the flight that morning after I got to go to this um, preserve, you know, like a wildlife preserve with all these animals. Yep and thinking, I wonder if anyone else has tiger dirt on them right now, you know, because I got on the plane, and I just come straight from holding a baby tiger. Yeah. So I had I have great memories of being able to do that, and so the whole Tiger show, you know, we did binge watch that, and we kept saying, oh, it's just a few episodes, and then it was later and later, and we're like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> <laughs> I told there was
1: like five or six of them. Yeah,
2: nah, yeah, we watched all of them at once, and then we we're because we had to get we had to just get it over with. <laughs> right. <laughs> but my husband's a big um, music music person, and he grew up with music and musical people in the church. And dad was a music minister, and mom played piano, so they all grew up with very musical backgrounds. So we do we love watching American Idol just for the pure sake of how talented it's the talent yeah singers are yeah. And I have to say, I think. It's so crazy because I remember watching some of the very first American Idols back, you know, Kelly Clarkson, you know, all the new mm-hmm. ones, the mm-hmm. very first ones.
1: Yeah. And like now. Almost, and all that, yeah.
2: Right? And so now every person on there is like, I've been, I grew up watching American Idol and it's just so crazy to think these kids, you know, they started watching it two or three years old and that was their goal. And they started singing and performing and taking mm-hmm. lessons. With the goal of getting on American Idol, so I think the talent has been is is crazy talented now. I'll, I mean, you I don't think if I was twenty, like I would have had to. I would have feel like I would have had to been performing my whole life to get on that stage and you know or go audition for that right. Because 100%, nowadays, yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. But we do enjoy that. We don't really binge watch it. We do record it, and then, you know, we watch it so we can fast forward, and then...
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, are you guys fans of the superhero movies that are, that are being made, like the Deadpool and X-Men, Wonder <laughs> Woman and all that? Um,
2: I... Not... I can't say that we're fans. I think that it's fun sometimes, and of course, I'm a animated cartoon kind of fan. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. my husband's like, uh, eh, he could take it or leave it. He'll watch them with me, but... Um, but, I, you know, I like some of it. We just, I think right now, honestly, we are so focused on trying to make sure that we take advantage of this lockdown kind of situation where my husband travels for horse shows all the time. That's a big part of our business. And while he's home, you know, we're really focused on trying to do everything we can to have a very productive time while we're here at home yes. so that when everything starts opening back up, we have some good things in place to add to our businesses and be able to, you know, figure out how to keep them rolling with things opening back up, too. Mm-hmm. So um, we try not to get too bogged down with TV, movies. and But, you know, last night we did watch um, Urban Cowboy, and I'll tell you why. Remember mm. John Travolta, Urban yeah, Cowboy? Yeah.
1: I remember that, yeah.
2: So my husband is, is a cowboy. We have uh, a quarter horse. Uh, horse training business. He's been doing that for 30 years as I've been doing my fitness stuff. And we have a young girl who's 19 now as a barn, you know, barn management, and we have an intern from Czech Republic who is working there. She's on a J-1 visa staying in the barn working too. And she's in her late 20s. So my husband put that movie on last night. They were here and we watched that because it was just kind of a fun, hey, listen, watch Urban Cowboy, you know, because they're all in yeah. the horse stuff.
1: That is a fun so. show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it, what was so funny to me is just how immature they acted through the movie. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, they act, yeah. But it was fun. We, that was kind of, we liked it. And of course, we like the old spaghetti westerns too with Clint Eastwood.
1: Yeah. Well, of course, those are awesome.
2: Yeah,
1: good old stuff. With the whole COVID-19, uh, did you see that the government had released videos of the UFOs and it kind of just was a blip in the news? Did you see that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I am keeping up with quite a few um, prophetic pastors that I love to listen to, and I do keep up with some of the secular um, kind of stuff as well. Just I like to hear, and I've been hearing a lot about this whole UFO thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I like to be aware of what is being talked about because I feel like it's important that we hear and understand and know. So I've been, I'm a learner at heart. That's one of my, I guess, strengths. I, in fact, I even did the Gallup strength finder test one time. And my number one out of 34 strengths was, was learner. Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> so I love,
2: <laughs> I love learning things and I I am one to, you know, be conscious and careful of what I listen to and what I allow in my conscious and in my brain and all that. But I do like to be aware of what's being said and talked about. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that I've been watching and for the last quite a few years.
1: And, And do you believe that aliens have visited earth?
2: No, I have a whole different idea about that. Yeah. I don't believe that it's an alien like we think it is i mean as a christian i feel like it's more of a demonic spirit that can form into whatever we they think we want to see
1: right are you star wars or star trek
2: (laughs) (laughs) well let's see i have fond memories of well my brother was a big my brother is years older than I am and we are super close growing up and we lived in the country so you know we did a lot together yeah. and he was a huge Star Trek fan however mm. my family got all Mixed up, and he would end up with all the Star Wars stuff <laughs> all over the years. So I have lots of memories of all the Star Wars stuff, and then my brother always going, "I like Star Trek," and my family could never figure out who which one was which. So he <laughs> ended up funny. with all this Star Wars stuff <laughs> over the years. So you know, I, I uh, I've watched a lot of it. You know, I, I don't know I like it. It's it's kind of you know comical some of it, yeah. and. Um, I think you know probably my brother would like it if I said Star Trek, so we'll go with
1: that. Star Trek, yeah. Uh, Monica, <laughs> I, I think we'll wrap it up here. I don't want to. I don't want to take up. we respect your time here. Oh um, good, and, all good. And we'll wrap this up. So, thank you again for for taking the time here to join us, the podcast in Vancouver. Yeah, you are at Monica underscore Brent on Twitter. Course, your website yes. is just straight up your name, monicabrant.com,
2: and it is under construction right now. I yeah, need to get the thing finished so I can get back, get it back up. But yes,
1: okay, great. Um, otherwise, and Instagram
2: I, and just FYI, my Instagram was hacked it, uh, right when this whole lockdown started and stolen. So I'm working on trying to get that uh, what a uh, pain rebuilt
1: in the butt.
2: I know. So now it's the it's, it's official Monica Brandt because the Monica Brandt was stolen, but. Uh, I am rebuilding it with a great attitude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. The Cast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for
2: two women.
0: Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it.